Hello. Hey. Uh, good to see you again. Happy New Year. Yep, and Merry Christmas. So it's 2023 and it's episode 10 of my weekly podcast season 2. And the hosts are here. Uh, it's me, Dima Malenko, and you? I'm Slava Rudnitsky. And we are here to talk about some... Let's say handouts from Udemy, but before that, we have a little follow-up. Right, but yeah, the, the follow-up would, would be fast. I hope like, last time we discussed um, our weekly themes, and one of the questions you asked me was, "What's your sort of?" I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was sort of, "What's your definition of done for your theme?" And when I was editing the episode, that that got me thinking. Like, do do I have a definition of done? Are we supposed to have definition of dance for, uh, for for our themes? I, w- I would be a bit more on on the side of you know, the the done or success would be like making progress towards the thing. Because if 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 it's a year of health, for example, like yeah, the, the most but... common example, like oh, what's what's done for for that. The question would be the same. How do you know you made the progress? All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that I was mostly relying on the theme journal. Mm-hmm. And when you write down the theme, they ask you to write a little description there, like what the theme mm-hmm. means. And then ideal outcomes. All right. You don't know how you mm-hmm. arrive there, but you still think like, all right, so I would feel like this, I would do this, this would be like the perfect balance of something and something, etc. Yep, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think I- ideal outcomes is what it is. Good stuff. All right. And from this bright and emotional topic into something less exciting, but still something that has to be discussed, a little pre-story. Uh, a friend of mine sent me two PDF files saying, oh, I think you would be really curious to see what it has to say. Were you? These are... I was curious, but I was disappointed <laughs> if we cut the long story short. I got these two presentations from Udemy that were claiming that they would like to describe the learning trends and business skills trends and stuff and what's happening there. And I tend to see such reports quite often from LinkedIn, from some other companies that do these sort of, I don't know, documents, mm-hmm. presentations, whatever. And I struggle to find something useful there. And uh, it, it's always a challenge for me. So I thought maybe it's just something wrong with me. Uh, and I, I decided, why don't we talk about them? So we had two files. One of them is a shorter one. And I believe this was the free version um, that was spread somewhere. And then you could fill in the form and you would get the full version, which was the English longer file that you, you've seen. But basically, they have the same statistics uh, in but just the level of details, conclusions, and stuff is slightly different. But basically, it's w- one is the core or the essence of the other. Hmm. Interesting. Because if, if that's the case, because I thought that maybe those two files are like just English and Russian version of, of the thing. But if you say that 
one is more detailed or fuller version of the thing, <laughs> to me it makes even less sense this entire exactly. Charade. Exactly. But let's take a step back. And my first question would be to you, do you have any general attitude or impression of uh, reports like this when people say like these are recruitment trends 2023 by blah 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 recruitment agency or these are management trends by Adesis Institute or something along those lines like are you curious about this stuff do you read it do you skip it do you actually face it at all I have I have two two thoughts about this kind of things first thought is then when when <laughs> People say, here are the trends for something for 2023. I strongly believe that they are misusing the word trend. Trend means some sort of um, law about how things kind of developed, right? We we look back at uh, what happened and then we can draw a trend line for, for what what was there in the data we know. And then the best thing we can do, we can assume that this trend is going to continue in the next period. It, it's, it cannot be a fact that this, will, this is going to be a thing happening in 2023. So the better way to frame it, or more honest frame, way to frame it would be that these are the trends of 2022, which we believe are going to continue in 2023. So that when when they say these are the trends for 2023, I already <laughs> uh, start disbelieving them. And the second thing, second thing would be, I'm more often than not, I think that those things are just marketing materials for the organizations that publish them, because un- unless there is a sound methodology and and stuff like that behind that it would be like describing on the uh, or reporting on the experiences or knowledge of a particular company or organization it's like looking for for a needle or for for lost wallet under the lamps but not looking in in the darkness so the, the picture would be skewed incomplete and therefore mostly useless for the pompous title of trans in industry for for a given period period in time and what what gives me kind of additional indication which kind of report that is is if if report was a truly researched with sound methodology it would hardly be named like trending skills by company it would have more meaningful or more valuable kind of name if you know what i'm trying to to say mm-hmm. so th- those are my typical thoughts about things like that and as claimed definition lords i would like to bring in three terms here that i think could be could help us out would be the report the research and the survey because i think that in our further discussion we will be using all of them and these guys claim it's a report and for me report is a document after a research is run Mm -hmm. and you basically write a summary or you report on your findings during the research and the level of this report can be very different you can go in research gate style when you write all the assumptions methods Mm -hmm. put all the data and the conclusions in or it could be something like an article or something uh, more 
advertising style, yeah, mm-hmm. when you just take the best findings or the best things that you liked and you basically promote those. The survey is purely poll, yeah, when you just question people, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what LinkedIn does a lot. They don't provide their own statistics, but they just say that's what people think about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, while research could work with any sort of data, in this case, Udemy was probably trying to do research more than a survey. So they were working with their internal data, with some statistics that people were not actually voting on, but uh, they just took the pure number of hours watched, cliques and and stuff, and uh, took their findings and put them into this reportish kind of thing. Hmm. It's interesting. I I largely agree with this definition. It's definitely on this survey is just... Survey is a description of what is out there, and more often than not, that would be either like observing. We saw like three articles published on on this thing, and and then um, kind of uh, summarizing them, or more commonly, that indeed would mean talking to people, and then kind of getting like attitudes from 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 different parts, let's say, of of an industry, and reporting on that. With report and research, I also kind of agree with with the definitions but i would further quantify the research thing uh, to to be something where it has a methodology and something where we have we put forward a hypothesis and a method for how we prove or disprove this hypothesis and like take steps to to do that and this does not necessarily have to be an experiment or something like that it can be like we assume that Technology X is going to play more important role next year. Like, what kind of data we can use to prove or disprove that, and and this would be the the research for me. And the report, as you say, can be final final part of of a said research uh, with with this hypothesis style. But also, I think it it can 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 be we. We asked ourselves a question or something without putting this as a hypothesis in the, in the research mm-hmm, style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We put uh, asks ourselves a question, did our best to find an answer to that question. Maybe describe how what we were checking that we like explored the complete landscape and whatnot, and then we report on our findings or conclusions on 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 that mm-hmm, topic. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's still aligned with with what you described. All right, so. Let's look into the documents themselves, because I think that uh, they look really nice. Like when I took the first glance, I saw some charts, some numbers, and it seemed really attractive. And I understand why people click on on these sort of things when they see that, oh, there is something useful that I could potentially apply at my workplace. But uh, as we look deeper, uh, uh, I think that um, there are some things that kind of confuse me there. And I think to to give the context, if in case somebody doesn't know, Udemy is basically an online course platform. And uh, it's something like Coursera with the difference that they've been changing the direction of their business development into selling B2B more than B2C. Mm -hmm. And uh, their statistics shows that they've been developing this B2B market quite frequently. They sell to companies rather than Mm -hmm. to individuals right now. And they focus their marketing efforts on attracting more corporate clients rather than just people from the street who would like to learn marketing. And, and, and 
There, there would, would this be a fair assumption? Because I think in the reports they, they refer to themselves or to the kind of area that they researched or surveyed as Udemy business. Would this Is this different or a subset of entire Udemy which does this B2B selling? So where the, the clients for that thing are not individuals or professionals, clients for that thing are companies. Our employees, uh, like you could say there are users and there are customers. Mm-hmm. Users are employees and the customers who pay for that are companies. All right, yeah, makes sense. So I, I assume that uh, this report was done for this domain, mm-hmm. for the corporate segment. And at the first glance, it looks really nice because they say, look, these are the five business skills, these are the five tech skills that are trendy. And by trendy, they mean one of two things. One is either the demand or request on this has been growing, or just the pure number of hours that people have watched this. And in some cases, it was really tricky. Because when I looked at the project management part of the skills, mm-hmm. top 10 most popular skills, I mean the one that have been watched most often, are completely different from trending ones that uh, have been gaining popularity. And I thought, is it actually possible? Because on the other charts, there was an overlap. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the top 10 by total hours, and like there are three or five of them uh, that are still trending, and then some other ones that are not in the top 10 yet, but they're probably like get, getting there somehow. Mm-hmm. But in project management, like none of the most watched was in the trendy list. And it, it was confusing. I thought, like, mm, is it statistically possible to, <laughs> to do something like that? I, I think it, it is. I think uh, like the, the first note I put there that their statistical methodology looks dubious at best because uh, they, they use number f- for that graph on popularity or demand or con- consumption they call it consumption they, they use the number of hours watched and i think that that's a kind of a bad proxy for for comparing stuff because let, let's imagine a situation where we have two courses uh, one takes 10 hours and one course is like just a short thing for of two hours if we get one person just like one person take one course and another person taking another course which just means like very small increment in users or people who took those educational um, classes, the number of hours watched would be 5x on the first one. But it, it it's not <laughs> like, it, I, I think it, it, it's a bad, bad, bad comparison because when, when people choose a course, they are sort of stuck with it and they consume all the hours it has to offer and um, that that can easily skew the the statistics. And and one more thing on on statistics, like it is indeed possible, like to, by interpreting data in different ways, to arrive at different results. It is a kind of fairly known fact, and it has a name of Simpson paradox. Uh, I would encourage everyone to to to, to check the Wikipedia page about this stuff but the, the idea there is that if we have um data for let's say a performance of a drug for for a given disease and variation variations of the drugs and variations of the disease depending on how we cut those slices this we, under certain conditions it can be 
shown that drug A is the best drug, but if we slice the data in a different way, it can be the reverse, that drug B is the better drug for, for this disease. It, it would take a little more time for me to explain, and I'm probably not ready to do that on the spot, but it is not impossible to to have such weird statistical effects mm-hmm. and it, it takes it requires effort to to correct for that or to, to account for that in uh, more like serious research then do you think that the methodology should some kind of exclude such sort of things uh, as an example there is this article about uh, or page about managing it infrastructure and the one of the top 10 things there mm-hmm. uh, trending things is Databricks, which has been growing 2,161% and still didn't get to the top 10. Uh... Yeah, that, that, that's, that's super, super, super weird. And then, yeah, the, the, <laughs> need to, there can be multiple different variables for that, that influence the, the data there. It can, it can be that, hey, the Databricks, I, I, I honestly don't know what it is. It sounds to me like a, like a technology platform or something for for working with with data and it very well can be that this is a next generation of data tooling provided by certain company and if comp- if that company said that hey we are deprecating or and retiring our previous version of technology and everything like all the support and all the development effort we will put into the data bricks it creates a huge incentive for all of its clients to move away from the old thing onto Databricks, which would create a great demand for this skill or this this knowledge, which would be reflected in in Udemy. But this does not exactly represent that this is the most important or the most demanded technology for for the next period of time. But still, this was probably one of the most useful parts of this reports because when i looked at these development uh, mm-hmm. aspects uh, some things are obvious this python java react javascript things by popularity I, i've heard about the statistics and it kind of matches the reality mm-hmm. and then also some new words that i didn't know like helm were the reasons to google something and see like mm-hmm, now we see what this word means and it's been growing so it probably means that some companies or enterprises are switching there and i would say that such reports could be potentially a good starting point for your own research or googling in, if you're interested in technologies or would like to stay in the loop with the terminology that is used at least during the hiring process and one of the interesting facts i think it's part of um, the economic recession uh, that in the development the top trend in skill was preparation for the technical interviews <laughs> plus thousand and twelve percent yeah that, that was curious and, and and then also how they call it this skill maybe maybe that that is a skill but yeah i guess some of the categories that they've they've used seem to be on on the different levels like in this in these technical skills where the data bricks is at the top we kind of take it to me that Databricks is a, maybe a particular technology, but then there is something like business-driven development, which is on a kind of different thing entirely. And should they even be in one kind of category? Uh, not not exactly clear. 
That's exactly what I thought when I was looking on this fuller file, bigger file, mm -hmm. on page 31. Mm -hmm. it, it had this data analysis section there. And they put top 10 surgeon personal skills and top 10 consumed personal skills. And when I looked at the titles there, I thought, mm, maybe they're not really skills. Because some of them are just <laughs> English grammar or English language, which is part of English language. Like grammar, it's a sub-level -sub or mm -hmm. uh, business English is a subdomain of English language. How can these three be like the three different categories there? Uh, I can totally understand why uh, taking IELTS uh, could be a separate category. That's mm -hmm. an exam, that's a preparation, that's a set of skills. Uh, why Spanish language and English language could be two separate uh, mm -hmm. skill sets? That, that, that makes sense. But let's look at the other column. Self-esteem. <laughs> Growth mindset. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, or uh, in, in the column of top 10 consumed, confidence. Yeah. The, how, the, how is that a skill? It doesn't make too much sense. And, and, but my favorite here is uh, the 10th one, personal development. Top 10 consumed personal skills, personal development. Wouldn't taking any course be personal development? Pretty much, pretty much. Hmm. So I'm really curious what's, what are, what's the full list of the categories and how do they actually, uh, where do they take them from? Because in my understanding, in reports like this, you would expect to have the similar kind of things in the list, like languages, technologies, trends, mm -hmm. exams, certifications, some things. And if they start putting in the categories, like psychology, self-esteem, confidence, maybe they should take the skills out of those, uh, not just the, like, I don't know, titles. Yeah, I don't know. To, to, to me, it kind of boils down to the thing which we probably will never know, but what, what was the purpose or what was the goal that creators of this report had uh, in mind when they're working on it? Because it seems to me that the, the, the goal they had was to provide a kind of additional like marketing opportunity for for the company so the, the the for them the value is not in the data or what the data data says it's just it says like we we have this pretty slide deck um to to get you hooked to look deeper into what we have to offer because it's great and if you don't uh, get what we offer we will be in financial struggle next year so you'd better go and look and check out whether the courses that we have to to offer the more so there it's they have such a beautiful representation with percentages and top tens and uh, quotations from our people about how important that stuff is. You know, I would only correct one thing. Not we will be in the financial struggle, but we will stay in the financial struggle because Udemy has been... Uh, not, what's the opposite for profitable? has been losing quite a lot of investments and money and profits for years now. Like it, it hasn't get to uh, uh, any ROI point at, at all. And we'll talk about that a bit later. But I think I have one more thing to say mm -hmm. about the doc itself. And it's the trends part. Uh, in the full English version, there are slides from 5 to 11, which describe three main trends, culture, mm -hmm. agility, and delivery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have no idea how it is connected to anything or how it is actually 
like there's no understanding why these things are here like there are some random numbers there and i believe these numbers are not really related to any of the udemy research or statistics or analytics that mm -hmm. they've done i tried to connect it with some points later on like mm -hmm. in the skills learned into some conclusions but there was nothing so it's just the section with three fancy words that is totally not related to anything in the report below. Mm -hmm. And I like the words. I mean, they're nice. Delivery. Hmm. I, I know many people who like the word delivery. Culture. A good word. I, I believe it can be trendy. But why do you think it's a top trend? How, how you landed on these conclusions, that, that's uh, tricky. But I understand that many people who look at these slides, they will actually believe it because there is the words Udemy, there are some beautiful graphs and charts, there are some numbers and names. So technically, you could say that, yeah, yeah, like the, there is a title, Chief Learning Officer of Udemy, Melissa, sh uh, who wrote an article of five paragraphs about culture. Mm -hmm. Why is it a trend? I agree. I, I would take this to kind of in, in support of the theory that this is more of a marketing material than, than anything else. And I think maybe the thinking that went into this, like in, in the structure of our episodes in the beginning, we typically have this uh, section where we want to say, where we put forward the topic, we want to discuss like why this topic is important. And I guess they try to follow similar pattern of essay writing where we you had to have motivation for why you're writing this entire thing and they use this initial section in in lieu of that like saying mm, uh, there, there there are trends in in the bigger industry and then connect that somehow to to learning and then say hey now that we are talking about learning here's what we are doing and like what what we are observing from 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 our side but it 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 indeed felt a lot like um corporate like high level abstract corporate speak um a lot and when you try i think it probably is is meant if if it is meant it, it is meant to be skimmed through rather than read by people to get them thinking about what they they read this it's more of a like it i guess it has to walk emotional response yes this thing is important let, let, let's see what what's the next step what what we can do but then if you try to look deeper into what they say or maybe link even when they say something and they link to an article kind of supporting that you may click there and see no clear indication that that article actually supports the point that they're making. But I think mm -hmm. that that's going for this kind of documents anyway. Well, one thing that I potentially think could save this document would be using the actual numbers. Like if they showed how many numbers in total were watched in Java or in any other text, mm -hmm. that could be really curious. Like for learning statistics, you could say that like, Users of Udemy have watched a total of 27 million hours of content on this topic. That, that would be something, at least. Right, or, or maybe something where I'm, I'm sure they must have like post-2020 
finishing survey, post-completion surveys or something like that, where they would ask people like, was this useful or something like that? It's like, what, what if they could do a survey and ask the past participants or something like that? Like after some period in time and ask them like, was this useful? Did you use this skill in, in your work and stuff like that? And report on that data that would be super, super interesting to, to see as well, to see how high like self-esteem and personal development rank on that, because that, that may show something that we would not, not expect that people see that the challenges they face are not best addressed by another course on how to use Java and object-oriented programming, but rather maybe on soft skills or mm-hmm. like communication, email writing, and this, that, or, or other thing. I have two more things to discuss apart from the documents themselves. So maybe if there is something you would like to add about the docs, we, uh, let's do it now before we yeah, move on. Yeah, just this. just just one 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 thing. You you see how we maybe uh, like mocked <laughs> them for for this document a little bit, but on the other hand, we one one can see um, kind of more or less real need for why companies put out something like this and. Depending on the size of the company, I think the better style would be to to make this thing more personal. If you know what I'm trying to say, like if if there was there there were more voice from the company itself, like we believe in these things, these are our values. This is what we observed in 2022 with respect with how, for how we are doing things. This is how we are going to do things in 2023. I think at least for me, uh, it would be my response to that would be a lot more favorable and a lot more interested in what they have to say. But here is just such a faceless set of data trying to scream that yeah, we, we, we are great, we are doing something something useful, come go do business with us. So it for people like me, it, it can play our kind of um, the opposite role instead of attracting mm-hmm. that would kind of detract me from uh from following uh their word or the, their lead so two things i wanted to get into was the udemy business model at the first place and my attitude and my question maybe to you about this thing and secondly about the similar documents or research but in savvy context mm-hmm. but let's start with udemy while i was waiting for the recording, I started Googling like what's actually happening with Udemy. Like, are they profitable? What what's been happening for the past few years? And I found a few quite worrying pieces of statistics. Firstly, Udemy has been attracting investments, but spending more than they have attracted for mm-hmm. multiple years. So their deficit of the budget is hundreds of millions. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be growing. Like I don't see how this tendency is going to change anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Their entire marketing budget in 2022 was bigger than their investment and income that they generated t- together. Mm-hmm. At the same time, their market capitalization is $1.6 billion. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is mind-blowing. Like, I don't really buy it i maybe i'm too old maybe i'm just not into investment but how can a company that has not been generating any profit like let's say tesla is an example mm-hmm. like 
the the money they spent is very very unrelated to uh, their capitalization and the, the way people estimate these things i understand uh, when it's something like facebook mm-hmm. there is a lot of value that stands like in between uh, like the influence the reputation the brand itself when you think about udemy if somebody buys udemy let's say facebook buys udemy I can't say that they really get an asset that is worth 1.6 billion considering that it's like it loses money like if you even don't change anything you will keep losing money and what does it give you what does it bring you what's the purpose because when you think of a business even in the context of a small enterprise mm-hmm. a small enterprise is counterintuitive a small business or a small company you think about the value I understand that for the bigger uh, institutions, maybe it's different, but uh, it just doesn't, uh, I don't get it. I, uh, maybe you could give me an alternative opinion on like, why is it so, why is it okay to do such sort of, sort of businesses? Well, I, I, I can try. We probably we first need to, to make a disclaimer that this is not a financial or investment advice. <laughs> uh, but um, I think like, my, my take on this is that like, first, maybe like very small, small need, like when you say, how is this okay? I think it's, it's, it's not a matter of okay or not okay. Like if this thing is happening, then it, it's it's happening, and then we, we may try to to understand how 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 it happens. I think uh, the the two points I would want to to start with would be that I think Udemy. I I have very little knowledge of of, of their history and, and stuff like that. But I think that they started as a startup, like right in maybe some five. So years years ago, and when twenty ten twenty ten it's twelve tw- years yeah, ago. twelve years twelve years ago, and uh, when startups start, they 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 typically start and especially that they they've got investment uh, already, so they, they were a startup, and when startups start, they they start with an idea that can potentially work and this is how they get that they they get investment and then they use the, this money to find this product market fit for for their for, for their idea and figure out like this kind of sort of makes sense can we make it work or can we turn this into into real business and throughout this whole part of looking for this product market fit it's not uncommon after all this of looking for product market fit where the company would lose money trying to find that product product market fit so that that way i'm not too too kind of surprised to to see to to, to see that so they, they despite their age they may still be in this phase and if investors kind of believe that there is something that there is a potential to find this product market fit and then do something good if they believe in that they they can keep keep investing and typically the stock price and capitalization is also a reflection of trust of investors it it's not it's it is well depending on the situation it can be different but it more often than not represents the trust of investors in the future of the company rather than is a reflection of their current uh, financial state and 
And may so may I clarify the way yeah. I understood it. So before we move on, mm-hmm. so basically what you're saying that there are two potential ways here. One way is the company is making a product that has perspectives, and you think mm-hmm. that maybe in the future it will start mm-hmm. generating profit, but it just takes I don't know, 10 years, mm-hmm. and then it will, like SpaceX, yeah? mm-hmm. like you have to invest a lot, and then it will pay, pay back. And right. secondly, potentially, I th- I'm not sure you mentioned it, but I think it's possible that the company is developing a technology that can be used by other businesses or mm-hmm. other aspects, like TikTok thing. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And they've been developing some sort of algorithm or Instagram at some point. Right. Uh, and some technologies that have been used there could be applied on main Facebook platform or somewhere else. And these are two major reasons. Mm-hmm. And then there is some public opinion. Mm-hmm. Like what do people think? What do investors think? What do some somebody thinks? Mm-hmm. And this public opinion is tricky. Like, is it related to the first two aspects about potential profit and technology? Or it's just like, Elon Musk is a popular guy, let's buy Tesla because he's been doing some great stuff mm-hmm. and it's his company, he's, he loves it and I just need extra 10,000 Tesla shares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, first, first of all, I think it, it can be any of those things. Right? That there are, like the, the when we are talking about the, the stock market, the investors there are come in all sorts and colors and, and shapes some of the emotional like believers like oh i believe in this cause and i would support it or i would i think it is going to skyrocket in in price or valuation later on so i'll put my money there some are more conservative uh looking more at uh, like financial data and like market predictions and like the, the boring boring stuff. Some are just pure speculators where they see like they they try to ride the micro trends and and whatnot. So it like all of those things can be true at the same time just because the the space is uh, is so so vast. And specifically for Udemy and this Udemy business thing, I think that this is also a fairly common pattern for the startup development kind of life cycle where it would initially start as a consumer kind of technology for individual users and i think this is where coursera and udemy they they all i think started there we develop great courses or great technology to to provide educational materials and we will attract as many users to to partake or participate in in our platform as we can and use that number as leverage to get more more investment but that that is just the 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 stage where they burn money to get more more exposure and more market share if you will but then when time comes to start actually making money it's like getting some revenue and and profits it is not uncommon for startups to figure out hmm selling to individual users is difficult you cannot sell a lot or for with with expensive price tag and it can be more um lucrative to start selling the same thing to to businesses because it's easier uh, in 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 some aspects and for for certain things so from from that point of view this udemy business thing is not 
does not come to me as a huge huge surprise it's like yeah, yeah. It seems like a natural pivot for for that I remember there was this story with Google Glass yeah then uh, mm-hmm. when they created the smart glasses and then uh, they realized that it's too expensive for b2c sales and they switched to logistics companies so you could scan yeah, the codes same, on the with, packages with Microsoft right yeah Microsoft HoloLens follow the same path path right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that, that makes sense but uh, you know with the trick here is that I think that Udemy and Coursera haven't actually developed any special technology that is worth 1.6 billion because basically pretty much any online course created by, I don't know, WordPress standard thing mm-hmm. has pretty much the same functional mm-hmm. elements. Like I've taken courses both at Coursera and Udemy. Apart from that, I tried uh, less popular platforms like edX and some others. And I believe that there are more engaging and interesting tech solutions right now than these two. But these two keep getting a lot of marketing uh, support and uh, investments. Mm-hmm. And I think that from ad tech perspective, they're kind of useless. Mm. I, I can see that even Khan Academy with their concept of relearning material until you uh, get it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't move on to the next stage before you show that you fully understand this stage makes much more sense to me. I can understand why people would pay for this, why it makes the difference. Or let's say there is a platform named Rise. Mm-hmm. They make these interactive storytelling uh, courses when mm-hmm. uh, it's fancy, nice, engaging, interesting, and it provides multiple tools for a course developer. Well, Udemy still seems pretty constrained. Like there are a lot of restrictions for a person. You can just make the video and like three types of tests. That's pretty Mm -hmm. much all you have. And um, I'm kind of confused here. Maybe. Yeah, I think uh, remember on one of the points um, events we we had this um, five pillars of business thingy, right? And this is not directly related to that but i think that that's a mindset or framing for for this thinking the the valuation of the company can come from different uh, from from different things and depending on the stage of the company and the type of the company the value even the, the, there are different methods for calculating the, the valuation of a company and one of the methods for example includes the user base of the company regardless of the technology it has and the value of the technology if the user base of the company is large or huge that means that the company has contacts of those people who have proven interest in what the company has to offer that number can influence the valuation greatly and i think uh, i would think from where i sit that for things like coursera and udemy this number would play a significant role in in the in in the valuation number and and here also it can be that if they switched into this b2b segment and they have contracts maybe longer term contracts with big enterprises that can also be a thing that ups their their valuation even though the the technology itself is kind of maybe maybe crappy because it starts playing a lot less the technology itself starts playing a lot less as the company kind of matures and uh, stuff All right, let's make a thought experiment here. Uh, According Mm -hmm. to the Wikipedia page of Udemy, their user base right now is 57 million students. 
we know that probably all of us have an account at Udemy and Coursera, but uh, we are not really active users. Like, I assume that the percentage is lower, but just like for the experiment, let's assume that every fifth account is alive. Mm -hmm. So it makes not 57, but let's say 12. 12 million as of active users, including business and uh, some B2C areas. Uh, their market cap, once again, is 1.6 billion, mm -hmm. uh, which means that if you buy Udemy as business for their user base, and then you just, uh, I don't know, can you shell off or just I don't know, minimize all the dead accounts and uh, get to the people who actually read your emails or mm -hmm. come to your platform to see some I don't know, ads or communications, you basically pay something like a hundred plus dollars just to talk to people who have been using this platform to a person. Uh, in terms of marketing, that's a huge budget. Like it's it's not cents, it's not dollars, it's not tens or dozens of dollars, it's mm -hmm. hundreds of dollars uh, to talk to one user. And I'm not sure it makes much sense. So the technology is not nothing special. And the user base is not huge. I mean, it's not massive. And I'm not sure about the loyalty that people get towards platforms like Coursera and Udemy. Mm. Well, uh, I cannot even pretended that I have even the slightest idea about the answers to, to these questions, but I think I, I would have an idea about how finding, figuring out answers to those. So like from, from what I look at now in a Google, uh, like Google search, right? <laughs> of all things, like the first thing I did, uh, the, the, there is this little widget with information about Udemy, and it seems, well, it says that it is a publicly traded company. Right. Um, so this is this is where their valuation is coming from. And as public traded company, they are obliged to publish quarterly um, earning reports. So mostly losing reports. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. They, they call them earning reports anyway. I think. And so the the first step I would take to to better understand their business and where the valuation is coming from is would be to to read the the latest uh, or to at least skim through their latest um, earnings report and read what analytics like how the stock price moved after that and what the analysts were saying about that because maybe even though they are losing now they can be on a positive trend uh, with uh, with growth of their revenue or something like that or they signed a big contract with a big player or like there can be different different things mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. influence that and getting more information uh, about this can help better understand this this thing but it it all of course does not exclude the fact that this can be just a wickedly incorrect valuation or valuation that is unsupported <laughs> by by anything else because for, for example in case of um amazon right we, we know that amazon is a huge like one of the top n businesses on the planet but for a longer time they were always reporting losses on on their earning reports which did not prevent their stock price from going up and up and up is because this like they managed they or jeff bezos they they managed to persuade investors that no that that's 
actually like our losses are not a bad thing it's like we yeah, are reinvesting I, back I, I agree with you here and it makes total sense like when i look at uh, some of our clients like grammarly or reface mm-hmm. i understand that these guys work on technology and even if they never make profits they are still making something that will be in, used by mm-hmm. you know some other algorithms or companies or products in the future like they're building up the future or of technology somewhere Mm-hmm. Some companies are preparing for the market that has not are, are not there yet. Maybe I told you about these deep space industries, mm-hmm. uh, guys. They're nice. creating this asteroid mining uh, hardware. Like that's dozens of years from m- making any profit. But I understand why they they would be losing money right now, investing into research, into development to, to get there. That makes total sense. I can understand that. So I, I don't mind losses or not not being profitable for for a while if i can understand why and for such businesses i just can't uh, I, I can't seem to find the value well maybe we can take this as a like homework and try to figure out like where is the value in in, in udemy and uh, does it justify the current capitalization and stock price for for the company all right and let's probably move on to my second question it's not actually a question it's probably a thought again my marketing team and i were thinking about making the research Mm -hmm. and uh, what we wanted to look at was how ukrainian tech companies evaluate the results of their learning Mm how they assess language skills, how they assess soft skills, how they assess tech skills, how it is run, what are the methods, what are the outcomes, who uses this data, how it is stored, how it is collected, how it is used, to cut the long story short. Mm -hmm. And on one hand, we need this information by ourselves because we would like to understand who are our potential customers for specific assessment services, who, uh, like, what are the numbers that are important for buyers of our soft skills training programs mm-hmm. and language training programs etc and i think that this research could be actually useful for hr people out there like if they look like guys that's the statistics that's what other people do mm-hmm. with this data that's what this lnd statistics is about and there, there were a few challenges that we faced there that people are not really willing to talk about this stuff uh, openly. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you, you have to survey a number of people. Right. The ones that are already our customers, firstly, we kind of know what they do because we work with their mm-hmm. systems and we, they, they are our customers. But we can talk to them. People who we don't know are really hard to engage. Like, uh, it's really hard to get trust, trustful conversation with a person to share like how the processes are built mm-hmm. or what data is collected, even without showing the data, even Mm -hmm. without uh, disclosing some secrets. And it's really hard to get something that would look like a significant number of uh, participants in the survey to publish some sort of results. So we got stuck in in the situation when our clients helped us. Uh, We got some warm references from them to talk to someone else. But then uh, our aimed number of 100 companies that we wanted to interview was never reached. Maybe it's because of the war and uh, some Mm -hmm. different priorities and stuff. We will probably come back to this idea later on. But uh, we faced this mm, blocker, I'd say. How how does this idea sound to you 
like from the outside does it sound reasonable or it's something that udemy does just the marketing blah 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 material that uh, is useful only for udemy and their clients i think it, it sounds interesting or listen intriguing in in some sense and i think it i'm, I'm not sure i fully fully get who would be the the people who can benefit from the results of that of that survey would that be your peers like other learning and development companies or would that be your clients and it it can it can go both ways like it like it can be a research that that's helpful for you and a company like yours or it it can be research that that's useful for for clients of uh, educational uh, service service providers so no it 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 doesn't uh to me it doesn't sound like a uh, marketing mumbo mumbo jumbo at least the way you you describe it because you're not saying hey we want to create this additional informational opportunity for 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 us and kind of give it more credibility by engaging some some other some other people in it like you from what you are describing it sounds like a genuine research trying to, to understand or answer certain certain questions so that kind of make makes sense to me yeah no i think that guys in udemy didn't say that uh, we would like to make this informational uh, splash out there somebody probably honestly believed that it's useful oh, the question is why and how mm-hmm. and why i ask you about this because while i was reading this udemy thing i thought hmm aren't i investing into something like this right now like uh am i going to build another pdf file that uh, would be just fancy and people will see the top three numbers or just some highlighted words skim it by diagonal and nobody will actually read it fully because that's the reading experience that i used to do for such reports previously and it made me question my assumption that it will be useful for hrs because basically my first thought was like we lack lnd analytics on ukrainian market like there is not much statistics out there at all Mm -hmm. and if we collect some that might be useful for decision makers to see whether they're on the right track or what the other people are doing or what are the tendencies and technologies that are used uh, how do people use uh, skilled grade matrices evaluation systems uh, outside assessment uh, and other other tools that potentially help lnd and hr people mm-hmm. but i kind of doubt that people will read it now mm-hmm. after we discussed it and i still find it fascinating to figure it out but I'm not sure whether I should publish it or uh, try to promote it somehow. That's a great. That's a great question. I, uh, I now feel a little bit bad that I maybe played the role into kind of devaluing de- 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 the, the the work that that you did. I think I, uh, one one idea that I would have uh, about about this and about the issue of trust, because I I, I think I can see how if. Like earlier when I was like running my my own company, someone approached me with questions like this. One of the things that will be in the back of my mind: Am I going to be taken advantage of? Uh, in the, this case, am I going just to play a role in someone else's cause to promote themselves? Uh, 
which I would feel 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 bad about this. And I think one way of addressing the trust issue that I can think of would be turning a point in time event like publishing a report uh, where you have to resolve or push people to do something before that point in time to turn it into from point in time into a process so what if the report or the initial version of a report is portrayed as just a snapshot of the data we've collected so far but then keep this thing open for more people to to respond or to to participate and kind of be be honest about the current state of it and turn it into a process and then when people see that hey there were other people who submitted their data and they were like this thing is fair and and honest and it makes sense and we can uh, do our share it at improving the understanding of the entire landscape by providing our piece of data they they would be more inclined uh, to do so and initially even if you just have five people who responded you can be like honest about this we've got five people who responded this is what we've got so far but we think that this data is incomplete because we would expect in an abstract that uh, like area B or the topic to be covered or more popular. And we think that maybe it's not covered or more, more popular or not reflected in our report just because we, we've got only five people in, in the data set. If you're using this, can you please respond to, to this questionnaire or survey so that we all get a bigger, better, fuller picture of what's going on? I think I think it it can be can be done to to the benefit of everyone involved. We'll see, we'll see. Because currently we are uh, going with an interview rather mm-hmm. than survey because companies are different and it's really hard to make the standard set of questions that mm-hmm. wouldn't irritate or annoy people uh, while they're feeling it. So we tr- try to do it in a twenty-five minute interview mm-hmm. with like an algorithm of questions that we ask, and then we script those and get them into the public. But the thing that we faced, one of the challenges was the communication platform. Luckily for us, we have uh, a few closed groups and publics where L&D and HR people are in, and we have some level of reputation there, and that's where we got our first 20 participants. Mm -hmm. But I think that to get it to something significant, something trustful, uh, uh, our assumption was about 100 companies. Mm -hmm. We need some extra platforms, and I can't seem to find the place where I can come and say, honestly, guys, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, please come and join if if you'd like. Uh, Maybe uh, I need some stronger marketing and networking skills to get such project done. It can be. Uh, well, I, I can also cannot cannot say by any stretch of imagination that the B two B marketing or outreach are <laughs> my stronger um, s- stronger skills, but something like that would, I think, be be helpful and, and useful. And maybe on on the internet, that, that there might be some stories of how people tried to to do that, like build. That that was a total disappointment. Like no. I started looking for stuff and people basically make this uh what do you name marketing blah blah uh, <laughs> think about uh, the way to get people into the marketing research oh, and no. I-, I bought a few books but they're still in the way about the methods i really liked the way they were described by financial times about marketing researchers but it will take a while but we're not not in a hurry in mm-hmm. fact but uh 
We'll see. I'll keep you in the loop about this initiative. We'll see how it goes. One one idea just that just came 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 to my mind could be that like to see for a way to look for ways to create for for you to create a value for those people who participate and maybe those people who already participated you can like talk to them and ask like hey what what kind of value you you can derive from it like what kind of value we can give uh, give you back for this and then maybe put that piece of value as a corner, cornerstone for this whole exercise with the hope that maybe this can attract more more respondents you know that's actually counterintuitive because people who took the interviews mm-hmm. they were grateful for the questions because the questions made them think about some aspects that were their blind spots mm. but it's really hard to communicate to people who haven't been at the interview mm. that these sorts of questions will help you because what if they don't uh, how do you say that and uh, etc and the other thing that we were suggesting and it seemed to me like an advantage that if you'd like to we'll show you the report and if you like the way it looks we can get your logo on it and mm-hmm. like show the, the partners uh, page there with uh, all the companies who would like to be publicly highlighted that mm-hmm. they are par- they were part of this survey and it scared people much more than I expected. Like I thought it would be an advantage to mm-hmm. make a promo activity for their HR brand, but it turned out that people don't want even to consider being public in such sort of things. That was uh, very unexpected for me. Interesting. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Another day, another challenge, as they say. Right. But we will wish you the best of, of luck uh, on this journey. Yeah, I hope I don't uh, end up with something marketing and empty. And our episode will be a point of reference if I do. <laughs> All right. All right. So what's the next episode about? I think the, the next episode we are going to, to discuss like um, ideas and then approaches to tactical planning. We were We were talking about themes and stuff where we took a longer term perspective uh, at things at, at our lives and and bigger bigger goals like but i would want to, to talk about more tactical things like how do you and or i plan plan our days our weeks and and put the stuff that we have to do into that what are the challenges what are the approaches and what are the methods and tools that can make this process more more effective because this is one of the things that kind of part of my whatever it is like season of structure or discipline i don't remember how how i call this so i'm trying to find better ways to organize my day-to-day activities to be more in line with how i think i should be going about them cool i'm looking forward to that right uh me too me too and that will be in about two weeks from now yeah i think so Hopefully good weeks. Yep, good weeks.